0: Yes, yeah, so I came to, uh, came to uni here in um, 2009, which feels like absolutely forever ago. I can't believe it's uh, it's flown by. Um, but I came to study uh, a course in special effects, which was uh, designed to teach me about building models and props for film and television. It's very cool, very enjoyable. Um, but as you probably tell, I have a love for all things film. I love how they're put together, I love the storylines. Um, I love the special effects, the acting. Uh, when you get a, a good film, like you can sit down in front of it, it's, it's amazing. Um, so I wanted to start off with a question for you today, have a think, what is your favourite story, not film, but story, favourite story, it could be a film, could be a TV show, could be a book, just have a think, what is your favourite one, if you had to answer the question, and what is it about that story that captures you, that you love, that inspires you, because stories can do that, can't they, they can inspire us, they can uplift us, they can challenge us. Well, I want to tell you today about my favorite story. My favorite story, no surprise, is actually a film. And uh, it's a film called The Dark Knight. How many people have heard of the film? Yeah. The Dark Knight, yeah? Yeah, a couple of Batman fans in the house, that's great. <laughs> the Dark Knight was uh, directed by a guy called Christopher Nolan. He's a film director, you might know his work. He's done uh, films like Dunkirk, great film. Uh, he's done Inception, bit of a mind one there, you got to think about that one. Um, he's also done a film called Memento. Anyone heard of Memento? Yeah, yeah a couple of fans, great. Um, that's another thinker. He, uh, he likes to make films that are good just to watch and enjoy the action for, but also, if you want to, you can think a bit deeper and try and pick the story apart, and there's different levels of, uh, of message in there, so they're pretty cool. And uh, so this film, The Dark Knight, is uh, it's a Batman film, so you'll probably be familiar with the, uh, the superhero Batman. It's set in the fictional city of Gotham City. Very dark, foreboding place. There's a lot of crime, a lot of gangs. A lot of corruption in the government and in the police. You don't know who to trust. It's a kind of dark place. And in this film, you've got two characters, two main characters. So you've got Batman, of course. The nocturnal vigilante, who, uh, to quote a line from this film, uh, spends his nights beating criminals to a pulp with his bare hands. You know, he sounds kind of intimidating. He's all, all in black wearing a big cape. This is Batman, nocturnal vigilante crime fighter. He goes into the dark. To bring the light. What a hero. And he has one rule in doing that. Because he doesn't want to end up lowering himself to the level of the criminals, he has one rule. He will never take a life. He will never take a life. He'll bring justice, he'll fight for goodness, but he'll never take a life, he'll never kill. So that's Batman. We've also got Harvey Dent. Harvey Dent, he is the district attorney in Gotham, and it is his job to stand up for justice and goodness, but he does it without fear of the criminals doesn't wear a mask, doesn't protect his identity. He is proud to stand there and stand up for justice. And he's, a, he's a, essentially a visible light in the darkness. Now, no story is complete without a villain, iconic villain, my favorite villain in, in any uh, film franchise, the Joker, played by Heath Ledger. Uh, absolutely fantastic performance. He's a, If you don't know, he's a crazy character, although you should never call him that. If you ever meet him, don't ever call the Joker crazy, because he, he doesn't like it. Um, and he wears this sort of clown makeup. He's quite intimidating, a bit scary. And uh, he has these, these sort of healed wounds on his face. And at various points in the film, it's almost his catchphrase to sort of say to people, you want to know how I got these scars? That's my Joker impression there. Do you like that? You want to know how I got these scars, he says to people. And it's kind of intimidating, kind of scary. Uh, and he stands for chaos and disorder. So whereas Batman and Harvey Dent are all about justice and order and law and order, The Joker is about chaos and anarchy. He wants everyone to live in a world without rules, without uh, any restrictions. People doing whatever they want, whenever they want, no matter who it hurts or the consequences, that's the only way to do things. Uh, And he tries to corrupt, to make his point, he tries to corrupt both Batman and Harvey Dent who stand for the goodness and the justice. So he goes after Batman, trying to get him to break this one rule of, of not killing, right? He he pushes him and he uh, presses him to try and get him to take a life, even to take his own life, to take the Joker's life. So the Joker's trying to get him mad. But Batman refuses, he won't do it, he won't break his one rule, he sticks to it, even when pushed. Um, And then the Joker goes after Harvey Dent. Now Harvey Dent, the story's a bit sadder, because actually Harvey Dent, he might look good and upright and and, uh, a stand-up citizen, but actually, he's corrupt inside. And he reveals his corruption by breaking, by falling, by um, doing some things that were not very nice. Um, He becomes a villain. It looks like the Joker might have won. And he goes and does these things and Harvey ends up dying in the end of the film. Spoiler alert. (laughs) And uh, Harvey, Harvey Dent represented somebody who was standing up to crime and corruption without fear. And the thing is that if the people of Gotham knew what he did, then they would lose hope. Oh, well, Harvey was the bright, shining light. He wasn't afraid. But if they find out that suddenly he's actually kind of of one of the criminals, they would lose all hope in law and order. So what happens? The Joker would win if that happened. What happens? Near the end of the film, Batman puts himself forward to take the blame for the things that Harvey did. All the anger then gets directed towards Batman instead of Harvey. Batman didn't deserve it. He had always loved the people of Gotham. He'd sacrificed for them continuously. But in this moment, out of love, he gave up everything and became a criminal for them by taking the blame for what Harvey had done. Because he still wanted to give the people of Gotham hope and a bright future. He still believed in it. Towards the end of the film, a character called Jim Gordon, you don't have to worry too much about who he is, he is the chief of police, one of Batman's friends, delivers an iconic line which finishes the film says, he's the hero Gotham deserves, but not the one it needs right now. So we'll hunt him, because he can take it, because he's not a hero. He's a silent guardian, a watchful protector, a dark knight. Then the credits roll and the music comes in thumping, and dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun, it's great, it's fantastic. If you haven't seen the film, you've pretty much got the gist of it there. Um, and this yeah, this story inspires me, this story infuses uh, me and gets me excited, but it does it because it, it, it points me to something deeper, it points me to a deeper truth. That's what good stories do, right? They point us to something deeper, they inspire us, they capture us. And the, the guys that are getting baptized today are going to tell us a little bit of their story, a bit of their journey up to this point, what's led them to this moment. But also their stories will point us to another story. It's going to point us to a true story about another kind of hero. That Jewish carpenter called Jesus lived in first century Israel about 2,000 years ago. And if you know your Christmas story, you might remember that Mary was told something like, the Holy Spirit of God himself will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God and he will save his people from their sins. So Mary was going to have a kid And this kid was going to be called the son of God because it was the power of God that uh, brought her to to pregnancy and to to full term. Uh, And this kid will save his people from their sins. So that's the Christmas bit. If you know the Easter story, that will help as well. Because you know on Good Friday, uh, you had the events that uh, the Easter story tells us about uh, Jesus was crucified as a rebel and as a lawbreaker by the Roman Empire. But in that moment, it was was actually part of a bigger plan. It was all part of the plan that God had to pour out on Jesus, his wrath, his anger, his judgment at sin, our sin. I want us just to think about that for a moment. I mean, God, you've got this perfectly good being, right? This being who is goodness personified. Well, how could he do anything less than absolutely detest, be reviled by and hate everything that was corrupt, everything that was evil, Because he wouldn't be good if he could just go. It's just a. He is also, uh, just. So again, he couldn't let evil go unpunished if he was justice personified. But he is also conflicted because he's love. You might have heard that God is love. Well, it's true. God (laughs) is love, but he's torn here between justice and the uh, revilement and the hatred of the, the sinfulness in our hearts, but he's also torn because he loves us like a father loves his children, like a good father dotes on his kids. So in steps Jesus. Like Batman's stepping in for Harvey Dent, all the anger and judgment for the things we've done gets directed towards Jesus instead of us. Like Harvey Dent, we've all revealed the corruption within through what we've done, what we've said. And the things that we've thought. But here, for our sake, Jesus is treated like a, tr- a criminal. Going quietly to his execution on a Roman cross, he didn't deserve it, but he was a silent sacrifice because he wants to give us hope and a bright future instead of anger and judgment. Now, if you remember how the, good, the uh, Easter story finishes, Good Friday was the, the execution, the death. But the good news is the story doesn't finish there. You've got the Easter Sunday, the Resurrection Sunday, called that because on that day, Jesus was raised to life again. The work was finished. To show that it had been done and successful, Jesus was raised to life again. Now, this is actually what baptism is meant to help us to understand. So in a minute, we're going to go through. We're going to watch that take place. But we're going to watch a person get into some water. They're going to be lowered into the water by two people, and then they're going to be lifted out again. Now, what does that mean? What is that supposed to communicate to us? Well, it helps us to get our head around this, this kind of strange story of Easter Sunday, uh, of uh, Good Friday through to Easter Sunday. Because the water represents somebody stepping into the death of Jesus and joining, them, joining him in that. They go into the water. They join with him. All their sin gets taken off them and put onto Jesus. And together they both die. They both go into the water. That symbolizes going into the death. And when they come out of the water again, it's like they're raised out with Jesus on that Easter Sunday, raised out again into a new life. So that's how it works. That's how we can have new life and be forgiven of our sins because we join him into the death. We stay joined with him. He takes the punishment and we come out with him in new life. Now, it's also significant that they're actually lowered in, right? I don't know if you've ever thought about this. Why don't they just sort of get in and kind of go, yeah, I'm washing myself from Jesus, yeah. Well, it's because actually no one can make themselves new. This isn't something we have the ability and the power to do ourselves. We can't free ourselves from guilt. We can't change the fact that we've sinned. We can't change the record or erase the record. Because actually, this isn't man-made religion. This isn't Hey everybody, this is my seven steps to salvation. This is something that only God can do. We have to come to Jesus. It's about spiritual rebirth through the power of God. That's why they're lowered in, because it has to be done for you. And that's the point of today. That's what we're proclaiming today. That's what they're going to be proclaiming as they go into the water, is this is what has happened in my life. They've come to Jesus. They've given their lives over to him. And together we're going to celebrate what has happened. We're going to celebrate what God has done because it's a miracle because no one else can do it. No one has the power to do it. No one has the power to save themselves. It has to be done by God. It has to be through Jesus. Now hopefully that's getting your excitement up, getting your anticipation up. We're going to be going through in just a few moments. But I wanted to just close here with two things that I feel that God is saying to us today. Uh, The first one is to the Christians that are here. Um, I feel like there's an invitation again. I don't know if you've ever noticed, but when they come up out of the baptism pool, they tend to be a bit drippy. You ever noticed that? I don't know, maybe it's just me. They come out a little bit wet, right? Well, there's a reason for that. I feel like today God would remind us that those of us who have come to Jesus, given our lives to Jesus, we're supposed to come out of that experience dripping. We're supposed to come out of that experience dripping wet with his power, with his presence, with his love, with his life, with his joy with his freedom, with his goodness. We are supposed to leave wet footprints everywhere we go, wet patches dripping off us. It's the love of God touching the people around us as we do life. It's the power of God flowing into their lives into the ways that they need it. We are supposed to be so soaked and saturated with the presence and the love of God that we leave wet patches everywhere we go. So there's an invitation today. Maybe you feel uh, a little bit dry in life. Well, there's a fresh soaking that God wants to bring to you. Now, we haven't actually got time today to do what we might normally do, which is to have sort of a ministry time of just praying for people at the front. This is actually something that I'm going to have to put in your hands, and if you want it, you're going to have to go get it. You're going to have to go for, I don't know, go for prayer, uh, spend time seeking God in your own quiet times, do both. Grab a community group leader, pray with somebody who's uh, a bit more ahead than you in in your maturity, in your walk, because they can help lead you and guide you in this. But it's something we have to go get ourselves if we want it. Um, If you're not a Christian here today, then I feel like God has something to say to you. I feel like when I was putting this together, God spoke something right at the start to me which is very clear. And you might remember a phrase I used earlier. I feel like Jesus is standing before you if you're not a Christian here today, and he's holding out his hands to you, and he's saying to you, do you want to know how I got these scars?" do you want to know how I got these scars? Because you see, he got them for you. He knows you. And he loves you. He wants you to know him. And he wants to wash you and make you new. Because this is the hidden secret at the heart of Christianity. It's that Jesus is alive. It's that Jesus is alive. He is ready. He is willing to make himself known. To any person who will humble their heart, who will seek him, go after him, and say, I want this. You've just got to make sure that you come with a sincere heart. That's all it takes. Ready to turn from your sins and follow him. Now, I enjoy the story about Batman, but I love the true story about Jesus. His story inspires me. It impacts me and points me to a deeper truth. The deeper truth is like what Jim Gordon said. Jesus is not the hero we deserve, but he is the one that we need. And we can come to him because he can take it. He can take the guilt and the sin and the shame because he is a hero. He was a silent sacrifice, a suffering king, and he offers a shining new life. Let's finish together just by praying. Jesus, I want to thank you that you are alive. I want to thank you that I don't trust in man-made religion. I want to thank you that I don't have to take anybody's word for this being true. I want to thank you that I know you. I want to thank you that I can know you. I want to thank you that you came and took all of my sin and shame away. I want to thank you, you wiped the debt clean. I want to thank you, you love me so much, you stepped into my place. You took the hit that was coming to me. You died the death that I had coming to me for the things that I've done wrong. And you rose again in new life, taking me with you. I want to thank you that your life now lives in me, that I am free, I am whole, I am clean. I want to thank you, Jesus, that you hold your hands out to every person on this planet, I want to thank you, Lord, that there are those of us here who know this and who have received this. Thank you that your power and presence can so soak us and saturate us that we drip and we bring hope into the lives of every person we meet. I want to thank you that you also offer your hands out to those of us who haven't met you yet. I pray you would make yourself known to them. Draw them in personal ways. Speak to them in personal things. Show them that you are alive, that you do love them that you gave yourself up for them. God, as we go through now, let us get a sense of the celebration that's happening in heaven because of what these people have uh, chosen to do with their lives, to put it in your hands. I pray that you would enjoy this moment with us. And I thank you that you are here with us. In Jesus' name, amen.